Welcome to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. Whether you feel that you don't have enough money to start investing or are under the preconceived notion that investing is only for the wealthy, Magnus and his expert guests are here to help you. Now here is your host, Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's the Making More Money for You show. I'm your host, Magnus Carter. Last week, we had a really riveting conversation with Victor Vernado. Uh, I was expecting more humor and whatnot, but we ended up actually going down a bunch of rabbit holes, one being AI as the future and some of the things that he was working on, how to diversify making money um, in the future and spawning out of businesses. So this show here today is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be more of a traditional type of show, but there's going to be a twist on it because this we're going to be talking about products that people really don't know about and don't associate making money with. Uh, for me to do that, I brought back a special guest with me. I brought back Sean Murphy. Welcome back to the show, Sean. Hey, Magnus. It's good to be back with you. Absolutely. It's been quite some time since our first show. <laughs> it has been about a year, uh, year and a half. Yeah, it's about almost a year already. I can't believe that. So, and I know you've been busy, busy with uh, your, your business and whatnot. Can you give us our, the listeners a little bit of, if they haven't seen the show of uh, how playing with board games changes us uh, into adults, you know, give us a little bit of background about yourself and what you've been up to since the last time we talked. Yeah. So uh, I'm an independent broker uh, dealing with uh, life insurance and annuities. Uh, so we've been spending this last year building the business. Um, you know, I've uh, retired my wife from her job so she can come work with me full time. Uh, she just recently uh, as well added taxes to the services that we're providing. Uh, so we're kind of expanding in that direction this year. Uh, that's some really exciting stuff for her. And I'm glad that I'm not dealing with the tax side of it. <laughs> but you and me but both. I've been spending a lot of time actually uh, over the last few months um, with there's been a lot of interest in uh, the index universal lives and the participating whole life options um, as a retirement vehicle and it's uh, kind of a newer trend over this last year that uh, people are starting to uh, realize that these exist and start actively looking for more information on them so yeah that's uh that's one reason for the show today i asked you to be on here today because after our conversation, I had to go and look at this and I seen and done some research and I got a little surprise at the end of the show for the listeners here today. So it's going to be quite interesting of a show that we're going to put on because I, one, I want to know about these things Two, These are one of the things that the rich keep secret, isn't it? That they build their generational wealth with. This is, uh, it, it, it's kind of a cheat code. Um, you know, we all know about the inheritance tax and how much can come out of it. And uh, we all know about, you know, tax deferred, but a lot of things where you can function without taxes, it's definitely been hidden and uh, kept from the public eye. But now that we're in the information age, it's really easy to get your hands on these kinds of things and really easy to find information. Not always good information, but it's really easy to find information. Hmm. And that's what this show is all going to be about is talking about in index universal life policies. You know, what's some of the great things about them? What's some of the bad things are they? Well, we'll get into, do you think it's for everybody that's not for everybody? But first of all, how old are these things? You know, how, how far back would you say these, they go to go from and to? 
the index universal life has been around for quite a while and it 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 goes back far enough that it's already been providing generational wealth for multiple generations and and that's the key to it is that it is proven to protect that generational wealth um you know these have been around for over 100 years in a lot of cases and some of the carriers that we work with have been doing these for over 100 years and so they're really good at designing these to make wealth okay but we uh we actually call this something some uh that people keep putting off is life insurance once you see life insurance i I was definitely one of the people that did it uh, until i looked into it more because you just think well there's only one kind of life insurance and it's when i die people get money when i when i'm dead it doesn't it doesn't help me out as i'm actually living so how does this variation or completely different product because it is a product because you have to buy it and then someone's got to sell it to you so you just can't go out and get it on your own. And how does this, let's go over a couple main key features that are different between the two of them. Well, absolutely. So with your indexed universal life, it's a very customizable life insurance plan. And now the life insurance is half of it. The other half of it is the index and being able to invest the funds that are going in there. So. At the same time that you're paying your monthly premium, the premium is being split into two departments. One is to pay your life insurance premium so that you have that life insurance coverage. And the other part is to build the cash value. But it's not just life insurance. It's not just, you know, if you die, that you've got uh, money going to your heirs. Um, One of the things that uh, most people don't realize is pretty standard and a lot of times at no cost is going to be something along the lines of a critical illness uh, option. And uh, so heart attack, cancer, stroke, or in the event of a terminal illness diagnosis, you can access up to, depending on the plan, 80 or 90% of the death benefit while you're still alive. This is huge and a lot of people don't put a lot of value into this because they don't think about it. But I know somebody who had to battle cancer and the whole time they were battling cancer, they had to stay working to keep their medical coverage oh so that they could continue to pay for their cancer treatment. So, you know, the cancer treatment on its own is is exhausting and it's a battle. When you add to that a physically demanding job, it really makes it that much harder to fight that battle. So knowing that you can access 80% of that, 90% of that, while you're fighting that battle can make all the difference in the world of whether or not you win that battle. Now, if you win the battle, you can pay that money back or you cannot pay the money back. When you do eventually pass away, that fund just comes off the death benefit. So there's no real penalty to not paying that back. So, for example, we'll use a small number. If you've got a $100,000 death benefit, this is a very small example, and you need to battle, say, cancer, you use 80000 of it, you still have $20,000 left of that death benefit. If you don't pay it back, it'll still go on to your family. Now, another very important aspect to what you can do with these permanent life insurance policies is some of the different riders that you can put on there. A big one, especially here in Washington State, is the long-term care rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that how expensive it is if you need long-term care. And long-term care, typically, if you go into a situation where you need it, you need it for about three years, and it can cost you okay. $10,000 a month easily. A month? month 
Now, here's the other thing. Wow. Here in Washington, uh, we've we've passed a law that makes it to where we're going to be taxing people uh, for the Washington CARES Act to, to cover their long-term care. Well, the plan will only pay about $30,000. So if you do the math, that's about three months. So <laughs> not even close to three years. However, if you have your own plan at the start of this, when it goes, uh, when it goes live, um, you can opt out of the tax and you can have something that's customizable so that you're building your long-term care plan for in case you need it. Now, the cool part about having those built-in long-term care riders is uh, if you use them, you know, they're coming off of the, uh, the death benefit as well. So when you do pass, whatever you don't use is still staying in the death benefit. So that's, uh, that's kind of the life insurance aspect of it is you can really use this to, to protect your family. And then you've got the investment side of it. And the investment side of it is what's going to allow you to build a cash value. Now, sometimes people get a little confused between the difference of the cash value and the face amount of the policy. Well, before we get into that, Sean, so investing. So the broker is actually setting up an investment uh, brokerage for you, an, an investment account that'll actually do this. And with that is, do you have the choice of what you invest into, or is that predetermined? There's a little bit of flexibility within Index Universal. Most of the carriers have four or five different plans that you can choose from. But once you choose the plan, the carrier kind of takes that over for you. Okay. And, uh, and a lot of times it's, uh, you know, S&P 500 uh, is, the, is the most common uh, way that that's invested. Um, now, there's benefits and there's setbacks to using an IUL and having it set up like that. Now, there's a floor. The floor is nice because it's going to keep you from losing money when the market goes down. And different carriers, and this is why it's important to work with a broker and kind of look at what's best for you. Some carriers have a floor of zero where, you know, you can't have a loss. Some have a floor of 0.5. Some have a floor of a little higher. But along with a floor to where you're protecting yourself from loss, there's also a cap. And so... The cap a lot of times comes in at around 12%, and it can vary again, you know, depending from carrier to carrier. But what that means is when the market is screaming high, you're capped, and and you're not going to take advantage of anything higher than that 12%. This is not something for people to look at as a short-term investment, for sure. Because of those factors, you know, it's, it's kind of a steady, you're in it to win it, and you stay the course kind of a thing. So, you know, kind of what you were saying is it's not right for everybody. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that's one of the things. Everybody thinks everything's good for them, and they never look at well, one, how how much is this going to cost? Two, am I going to get any benefits now from it? Uh, also, on top of that, we're also looking at things that people don't understand. It's like, oh, this is the new, like you said, we were talking a little earlier, but I'm going to bring the conversation up: is TikTok, Facebook, and any other social media. Per, you know, platform out there will give you something to say, oh, this is a new shiny sparkly thing, but they won't give you the downfalls of it. They don't go through if you will make money on it. All you see is a person that's possibly getting paid and endorsed to, to, to give that to you. It's like, oh, well, okay, well, we have this and we have that, but they got paid for it. Whether they're doing it or not, that's regardless of the situation. So we need to, everybody out there, please be aware of that. I will get flack on that, and I I really don't care because it's not their money that they're investing with this. It's your money. Well, that's exactly it, too. You know, uh, 
you see it all over the, the social media and nobody's posting it on social media because it's something they heard about and they want to post on it. They're posting it because they either are wanting to sell the product themselves or because of the fact that somebody's paying them to advertise the product. Right. And that's really the only times that, that you're going to see that. And you have to be careful with who you work with and you have to know red flags to watch for and uh, so that you can make sure that you're working with a broker who's going to be taking care of your best interests and not their own. Oh, that's, that's an this excellent is, point. I'm sorry. This is a commissionable product. And because it's a commissionable product, you know, your your broker gets paid by how big of this product it is and they get paid by how big the insurance part is, not how big the investment part is. Okay. That can make a big difference in how they structure your plan for you. Um, you have to be careful about making sure that the insurance aspect of it is big enough to protect your family, but is not so big that is cutting into the amount of accumulation that you can have uh, for the product. And, and kind of the way that you want to think about that is with there being two sides of it, if we're trying to use this as an investment vehicle, we want the side that's the cash accumulation side to grow. And so we want as much money into that as possible and to keep our insurance costs as low as possible. And there's a lot of different ways that you can structure that too. Okay. Well, we'll definitely dive into that a little more, but if someone's actually interested in this and you brought up a very important thing uh, to look for and what are some of those red flags that you've seen and possibly not knowingly done before educate, educating yourself more and how you corrected them? Well, one of those red flags is, uh, you know, very clearly over insuring you, you know, if I'm single and I'm young and I'm just starting out in the world and, you know, maybe I've got a mortgage payment. Um, but I don't have any kids or maybe, maybe I have a mortgage payment, a car payment. Maybe I have some kids. Maybe I have a wife, uh, in those situations, I want my insurance to cover what's necessary. So my life insurance should cover my debt. It should cover maybe some income replacement, something that's going to cover that immediate, but it doesn't need to cover more than that. So if I don't have a mortgage and I don't have a wife and I don't have a kid, any kids, we don't need a $3 million life insurance policy. And in fact, a lot of times you can't even qualify for that. So we really want to make sure that we're keeping our life insurance costs in a realistic realm. And so if somebody starts trying to throw too big of a life insurance cost at you, big red flag, big red flag. Um, other red flags are going to be, you know, when you look at the illustrations, you know, where's your break even point? How many years in before? the amount of money that you've put in is equal to the amount of money that you're going to get out. And that's something that's easily manipulated so that you can make sure that, you know, you're, you've got a good break in uh, break even point. And typically you want that break even point to be around year six or seven. Um, and that's kind of, if you see anything further out than that, then that policy is not designed to accumulate wealth. Um, another, you know, thing to look at with IULs is sometimes the IUL is not designed for cash accumulation at all. 
It's just designed to be a permanent policy. And so what you're going to see in that is you're going to see a really low uh, premium payment compared to a wealth building IUL because what's happening is they're just making the premium payment high enough that as you get older and your cost of insurance goes up because, you know, as you get older, it costs more to keep you insured, med- uh, you know, for life insurance. Right. You're, you're front loading those payments. So your premium is higher than your cost of insurance at the start. And it's building enough cash value that when you tip over that scale and now your insurance costs are higher, it starts pulling from that cash value. And as it's pulling from that cash value, it's only doing it to keep that policy in effect. And a lot of times it'll just keep that policy in effect, you know, until age 90 or 120. And, and it depends on, once again, how you structure those payments. So you do have to look at really spend some time looking at those numbers, actually. And I know the uh, illustrations can be daunting at first, but if you have an agent who's willing to sit down with you and really not let you go forward until you understand what's going on in those, it's going to make a huge difference because you're going to see, okay, this is where my break-even point is. This is where I'm going to be at at age 65. And then you can have a good conversation with your agent about the other wonderful things you can do with the investment side that we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, but red flags are definitely over-insuring you. Looking at a premium payment that's too small. This is not something that everybody can just afford. Uh, you have to make sure that when you're setting this up, you're considering a premium payment that you can continue making until you're ready to retire. So you really want to make sure, you know, this isn't like a a 401k, uh, like you can just, you know, throw in 50 bucks a week or a hundred bucks a week and expect it to perform. You have to be very intentional with how you set these up. And so, you know, if you get somebody who's sitting down with you and kind of going through it too fast to where you're not understanding things, it's another big red flag. They're probably building a nice commission for themselves, but that doesn't mean that this is going to perform real well down the road. Okay. Now, these products, uh, we you mentioned quite a few, a couple of them as we're talking here, but what is kind of comparable, and what and what do when people start looking for this type of investment, generally uh, confuse them with? I, I know you said four hundred one k. You know that's that's pretty much the most basic one out there. Oh, I got a job. Okay, you offer a four hundred one k. Fine, perfect. We'll do this. But what are some other ones? other items out there that people are actually thinking about or possibly uh, leaning towards over an IUL? Well, you you know, sometimes they're looking at annuities if they already have a big, uh, you know, a big amount that they're sitting on. Sometimes they're looking at the IRAs, especially self-employed, you know, where they don't have a 401k being offered uh, by their employer. And, uh, you know, those are the big ones that get compared and then sometimes there's a what they call a participating whole life but that'll be a conversation for another call (laughs) for sure that'll be its own own conversation Uh, but you know the the confusion can lie in is really like which is right for me you know they're all great vehicles for being able to get you where where you want to go depending on how much money you want to put in every month and how long you have to let the money sit there and whether or not you you want to do big cash dump ins, you know, at the start, because some of those plans are very restrictive on how much cash you can dump in. And they're all restrictive. Um, don't don't get me wrong, because you want to avoid any unfavorable tax situations. Once again, I'm not a ta- I'm not a tax person, so I can't give you any advice on tax. Uh, you know, 
my wife may be able to, but uh, <laughs> she's not here today. <laughs> so, you know, that being said, you know, you want to make sure that uh, when you're when you're building these, that, you, that you're building these with those unfavorable tax situations in mind. Um, once uh, you cross into an unfavorable tax situation with uh, with an IUL, you can't turn that back off. Uh, you so it's it's very important that you make sure you're staying uh, within the tax guidelines, but they are structured to where you can put a pretty big cash dump in, and you can put in several cash dump ins to make sure that you've got the money doing its work early, and that's an advantage if you don't have a lot of time to have these build. Is you can you can front load them so that they've got you know more money building from the start, um, whereas if you're young. You don't need to do a big dump in. You just need to make sure that you're planning that monthly premium as something that's sustainable for life. Okay. Now, if you do get into a spot of trouble with an indexed universal life, they will let you borrow from the cash value to pay premiums if you run into a spot. Um, a lot of times they have an unemployment rider that's available to where if uh, you lose your job due to unemployment, they can continue the policy. But once again, those are things to make sure that as you're designing your policy, that you're asking those right questions for sure. No. Um, so a 401k is really nice because of the fact that a lot of times your employer is going to match. And so when somebody's coming to me and they have a 401k as an option and they're asking me, hey, you know, is, is the IUL proper? Is it the right thing for me? One of the things I'm going to ask is, does your employer match? your 401k, if your employer's matching your 401k, absolutely put in to your 401k what your employer's going to match. It's free money. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Put in right. exactly what the match. Absolutely. Then after that, if you've got budget left over that you want to invest, then let's talk about that IUL. But if you've got the option for a 401k, and especially if you're young, I mean, sometimes when you're older, if you're getting your first 401k and you don't have a lot of time in the market, Maybe you don't want to go heavy in your 401k, but if they're matching, it's still free money, and free money is a good way to go. But some of the differences between what how an IUL can function versus how your 401k can function is there's very specific limitations on borrowing against your 401k, very specific big tax penalties for taking money out of your 401k and shutting it down early. With an IUL, when you borrow from the cash value, cash is still sitting in there, so it's still growing and being invested. It's never left there. And you're going to pay it back with interest. A lot of times it's around 4.5% right now. And, you know, but once again, you know, look at each policy and make sure where it's at. So you are going to pay a little bit of, of, of interest on that. It's a lot less interest in a lot of cases than you're going to pay the bank. And when you're borrowing from that, there's a lot of freedom on what you can borrow it for. You know, you can borrow it for, you know, the down payment on the house. Um, in fact, this is where people start talking about that infinite banking concept is where they're borrowing from themselves instead of from the bank. And, right. you know, we have a program uh, that we talk about uh, called Debt Free Life to where we're helping you combine the power of an IUL with the uh, the concepts of uh, debt snowball, um, you know, debt avalanche, to where you're using the cash value and you're moving money in and out, in and out to really eliminate debt and to be aggressive about it. And that's just kind of one way that you can leverage the power of that IUL, and that's going to be to take care of debt. Another way that you can leverage these things is to build retirement income. 
And so as you're paying in and you're building that cash value, you can design these so that say age 65, just for an example, it turns over and starts paying you. And now you're no longer paying into it and you're receiving a monthly income for the rest of your life. And you design this so that you're not going to outlive it. And then when you do pass away, your death benefit goes to your heirs. Now, here's the cool part. No matter how big it is, it's not an inheritance. So all that cash value that you built up is not taxable as an inheritance. It's a death benefit. And this is what makes it so attractive is the fact that you've got this cash accumulation vehicle and you've got this money sitting in there. You can borrow from it. You can put money in and out and you're building that cash value. The cash value can drive up your death benefit. You have an increasing death benefit. As that death benefit goes up, so does the amount that you're able to pass on to your heirs tax-free. It's huge, huge selling point That's to that. Huge. Wow. No, no federal government or local government. No money. Nobody's getting the money except for the people you, you assign to it. Now, oh, there is <laughs> there are certain <laughs> entities that are trying to change that rule. Uh, oh. you know, so that, that's something to, to keep an eye on as time goes by. But, yeah, it's every time that the government's tried to change that, uh, it, it's been shut down. Now, this, this kind of a thing is so reliable that banks invest heavily into IULs. And mm-hmm. uh, if the bank is investing in it, it's probably doing pretty good. It might be something to look into. But once again, it's not always right for everybody. So you do want to have a really good conversation with your uh, with your with your broker, a trusted advisor, for sure. Wow! And honestly, Sean, we talked about a lot of things about IUOs, index universal life policies, in the first half of the show. I can't wait to see what we're going to get into in the second half of the show because we are actually halfway through. So we are going to take a break. Also, I please if you're listening now live. There is a phone number that will be brought up when coming back to the show. If you have any questions while I have Sean on the phone, call in. We will gladly answer them for you live on the air. But for the moment, we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device. 
including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. If you have any questions for Magnus or his guests, join us on the show at 866-472-5789. That's 866-472-5789. Now back to the show. Here is Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. The first half of the show has been a mind melt of information. Very little jargon, which I'm ecstatic for because I hate jargon, especially in things I don't understand and want to learn more about. So to help me defunct the jargon, I have brought back Sean Murphy. Uh, He is a professional insurance broker with his own company, and uh, he was on the show before. And I was glad to have him back, especially about this topic. Uh, Sean, welcome back, man. Oh, it's good to be good to be here with you, man. It's been crazy. The first half of the show gone in a blink, and all the information that we spewed out is mind blowing. And and even even with that being said, you know, we we've we've really just kind of touched on kind of the surface of the of the subject. You know, there's there's a lot of things that you can do, and you know. Having somebody really get in there with you to design these specifically for you is super important. Super important. Not something you want to go try to set up on your own. Uh, you know, there's definitely something that uh, you want to have a set of eyes, maybe two sets of eyes on uh, to make sure you're really designing this properly for you if this is the right direction for you. Absolutely. And as the person came in, the show person that, you know, does the lovely. Uh, intro is if you have questions for Sean, we are here to answer questions along with supply you with excellent content. To do that, it's 1 866 472 5789. Glad to help you out. You know, even if you have like one of the silly questions about this, is well, what, what's life insurance? We, we're glad to help you out because that's what this show is all about doing is getting you the knowledge that you need to make better decisions about your finances. So we talked, we talked about the red flags. We talked about a lot of the benefits of it. So people are thinking now it's like, okay, this sounds way too good to be true. It's like, you know, I'm investing money. I'm not going to lose money or potentially lose a little bit of money, but I also get an insurance policy all in one thing. But, I know because when I looked into this is what are the fees? Why, you know, something always has to have fees to generate money for the, for the person insuring you. So this is a very, you know, it's a very hot topic. So Sean, what have, what, what are some of the fees? And I know this definitely depends on what options you choose, but but can we go over some of the large ones? It, it definitely does. Riders are going to cost you monthly. 
um, you know, and those are going to be riders on that insurance policy, like that long-term care option, you know, that, that, that we talked about, you know, that's going to add to your monthly cost. Um, you also have to figure that overall cost of insurance changes as we get older. And so, um, it kind of changes how much of your monthly payment is going into the cash accumulation versus for that cost of insurance, like we were saying. Now, um, this is not something that you can set up and look at your cash value and say, hey, I've been in here for 10 years. I'm going to take my cash value and walk away. When you take that cash value, now you've activated you know, fees and penalties and potentially taxes because, you know, you've had this money and they're growing uh, tax-free, but now you're taking it out. Now, that's different than taking a loan when you are cashing out your cash value. And your cash value is, for the first you know few years, going to be less than what you've paid in. You have to figure that uh, for the first probably three years, depending on how it's set up, a lot of the money is going to be going in to maintain the product versus that uh, cash value. And in a lot of cases, you can't even access the money for the first year, two years, three years, depending again on the carrier and how the policy is designed. So those are going to be some fees there. Uh, and realistically, uh, you know, your, your broker is going to receive a commission. The commission is paid by the insurance carrier, though. And so that is not going to be coming directly out of your money that's going in. Now, keep in mind, the broker gets paid off of the cost of insurance, not the entire cash value amount. So, you know, that's once again, you want to make sure that your cost of insurance is as low as possible. And so that that's one of the things you need to keep an eye on for fees. Um, but the vast majority of the fees that you're going to pay are going to be cost of insurance. And the cost of the riders that are going in and those are going to be the big ones now if you borrow money from the policy as you're paying the money back you're going to pay an interest rate back to the carrier and i've heard some people say oh well that's horrible why am i going to pay interest on my own money because i'm borrowing my own money why am i going to pay well let's think of it this way when you take a uh, home equity loan out you're paying interest on your own money. It's the value that's in the house. You are for sure. So it, it's you kind of have to temper that with the fact that the money actually never left your your cash value account. And so it's still sitting in there and accruing um, interest and, 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 and making you more money. So that four and a half percent really is just on that chunk of money that you've borrowed. It's that piece is making you less money. It's still most likely making you money depending on where, where you are for the year. And then you are losing a little bit, but you're still making money in general most of the time. Now on down years, if you're taking a loan out on down years, um, you know it could be hurting you a little bit there because of the fact that that money that you've pulled out, even though it's sitting there, isn't making you any money currently. Um, so that's something to watch out for too. And those are going to be the, the vast majority of the fees that you're going to be looking at. Ah, okay. That's, yeah, well, I'd rather pay myself back money with interest instead of paying someone else back. You know, that, that money is going to be in there for, and it's, we all do dumb stuff of money, but why not put it back in, into where you took it out of and make money on that? I know that's my thinking of it, but that's a, see, a lot of us have been taught, it's like, oh, okay, I'm spending extra money going out. 
it's like, oh, okay, I'm paying this. I have I took ten thousand dollars out, so I got to pay an extra four grand or an extra four hundred four thousand dollars back. It's like, but it's going back in there. And it's making more money for me. It's like now I can take out fifteen thousand mm-hmm. the next time around. Well, and if I took out that ten thousand to pay off a ten thousand dollar car loan that's at six and a half percent, say it's at six and a half percent, now I'm paying that back to myself at four and a half percent. I'm actually doing two percent better on that loan, and then yeah. that's a loan payment that I'm no longer making. So I can take that loan payment and I can dump an additional amount into my IUL to pay the debt back and the interest might might not go into that 401k but the payment that you're making on the loan goes into the cash value again so it's actually increasing the speed at which your cash value goes up by making those loan payments back to policy oh and on top of that everyone that also increases your credit score because you're paying off debt faster it also hurts your credit score for a very short time until because you paid it off so fast and you're not making monthly payments which people want and the banks want to see and on top of that the overall thing is you get a lesser um percentage of uh interest paid over time when you keep doing these things soon you you start off at 10 percent, you go down to six percent you go down to two percent then you're starting to qualify for one those black cards Two, you're getting those 0% financing offers, and then you're seeing all these extra junk things come in the mail. And people want to give you money because they think they can get you in debt. <laughs> well, and, and then you've got a cash value enough yeah. down the road that you're borrowing from yourself for everything. And so you're not really that concerned about your credit score because they're not going to ask you your credit score, and it's not going to affect your interest rate when you're borrowing from your IUL. Exactly. But if you're going to buy that new house, that's $150,000, $175,000. It makes you awfully good now to give, to get you that one. And less uh, less hurdles, less wait times, less pr- paperwork going through. You're going to have banks li- lining up to service you. You know, and, and sometimes people are looking at these things to cover all kinds of uh, mm-hmm. potential debt and future debt. You know, if you've got some kids and you're building that cash value in your IUL, when they're getting ready to go to college, you know, do you want them to take out a government loan for college that they're going to be paying on forever with a crazy interest rate? Oh. Or do you want to kind of take it out of the cash value that you've accumulated up on your uh, on your policy that you've built? You know, and that kind of brings me to another thing that the, you can do when you're structuring these. Sometimes people tell me, well, I'm too old or my health isn't good enough to qualify for one of these. Well, if you have kids, you can use your kids as the insured and you're the policy owner and you're the policy payer. And so the it's all going to be structured around your child being the one who's insured. And a lot of times if your health isn't that great or you're too old, you can start doing that. And then when your child uh, gets old enough, you can transfer ownership of the policy to them. So they've been the insured the whole time. Now you've transferred ownership of the policy over to them and you've started them off on a head start towards their retirement goals. Wow. That's that's impressive and very future futuristic thinking there and generation thinking, which is amazing. Uh, that's one of the major things that I like about these things and started wanting to do some research on. But we talked about the investment side. We talked about the fees and, and whatnot. How what's the differences now? This whole this product here has two things in it. An investing and a life policy. 
So if I get one of these, do I really need separate life insurance? Well, that is really going to depend on some of your goals and your debt structure. You know, sometimes when you set one of these up, you're going to set it up with an initial death benefit that's going to do more than enough to cover your life insurance needs um, and keep it within a good realm as far as, you know, what your insurance costs are. Sometimes you're going to run one of these and then you're going to run a term life on the side because term options are a very cost effective way to get a good amount of coverage. A lot of uh, policies will offer an accidental death rider that's attached to them, which, you know, in the event of an accidental death may double the death benefit or give you an increase in the death benefit. But also speak with your broker. Maybe it's going to be more cost effective to have your accidental death as its own separate policy sitting on the side. You know, and sometimes those accidental deaths, I know one carrier that with their, I know two carriers actually that with their accidental death option, they can put a disability income replacement rider onto the accidental death and have that very cost effective. Wow. And one of those with a return of premium rider on it, where we've got that in place for 30 years. And at the end of 30 years, you're getting everything back, but it's not such a huge amount of money that, you know, you should have been investing that into your cash value. Um, it makes a big difference. Now, when you start looking at things like, you know, putting a term option in place, return of premium starts to become a discussion to where you really want to sit down and look at whether that's something that you want to put on your term to where you're going to get that back at 30 years or whether the amount of increase that you're paying for that return of premium is going to be better spent putting into your cash value and your IU well. So you really want to work hand in hand with, with somebody who's going to literally design your coverage for your family. You know, we run into this all the time that there's no one size fits all when it comes to what your life insurance should be. Every family is different. Every family has different goals. Every family has different needs. And you really need to be conscious of, you know, what you're setting in place, whether you're in danger of outliving it, whether the cost is, is high enough that you should be putting it into something else as well. So sometimes, yes, to, to take your answer and make your, your question and give it a really long answer. Yeah, sometimes you're going to want some side coverage for yourself. And sometimes it'll all be handled in your IUL, depending okay. on how you design it. Wow. Good deal. Uh, one thing that I haven't seen too much with lately, uh, especially certain certain brokerages, is whole life insurance still an option out there? It is. Uh, it is. Now, there, there's been a big change um, since... Uh, since COVID and there's been a lot of instant issue in, you know, non-medically underwritten products that are put up now whole life. A lot of people look at whole life as like a final expense option, um, you know, to where I've got this permanent policy. It's not really building the cash value. It's just there. It's a whole life option and I've got it in place for forever. A lot of those are going to be smaller policies, you know, up to 40 or 50,000. And so you're using a whole life with its job is to just cover your final expenses. Now, there are other whole life options that when you start looking into, you can do much larger uh, face amounts as well. And a lot of those can accrue cash value too. And so it really, you know, you want to sit down and you kind of want to look at all your options and what your goals are, because depending on what your goals are, you may be using a whole life. They are still in existence and there are still a lot of them that are really viable <laughs> options for you. 
once you start looking higher than like 50,000, 100,000 in some of these whole life policies, then you start looking at things like medically underwritten versus non-medically underwritten. And that's an important decision that you need to make when you're looking at your, your life insurance options. Sometimes the question is, should I go medically underwritten? Well, there's a real danger in going medically underwritten. When you start doing the blood work and the lab work, something might raise an ugly head that you weren't aware that you had. Um, you know, you may find a medical issue that you weren't prepared to find and it could potentially knock you out of having that as an availability. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a give and take as far as, you know, whether going medically underwritten is the right decision or whether you, you want to go non-medically underwritten for things. And a lot of times the difference on whether you go medically underwritten or non-medically underwritten is going to be off the face amount of the policy and different carriers have different restrictions. Okay. That's definitely good knowledge right there. One question I do have as all of this information is processing it, but at a very slow speed right now, because there's so much to take in when people are funding these policies, these IULs, are they using pre-tax dollars that they can have their in- employer just take out money and put these in or is this all after tax investments that's a good question um that is after tax dollars that you're using to set these up um so these are not like a 401k where your employer is setting it up for you and and letting you run uh letting you run it with pre-tax dollars so these are post-tax dollars that are going in for these okay that's yeah because that i'm like when we're talking about the 401k and the matching and whatnot that just sparked one of those questions is like and then we ran out of time at the beginning. It's like, oh, wait, that question came back. It's like, I need this answered because I know someone out there is like, well, maybe I can get my get it taken out, <laughs> but we can't do that. So. No. And, and these aren't something that, you know, your employer is going to come to you and say, hey, we've got this as a as a benefit option. Uh, it's definitely something that you've got to be intentional about seeking out for yourself and finding out whether or not it's right for you and your family. Okay. Awesome. That's yeah. Because. Like we said before, this was very not well known until the information age came about. And we're talking, it's like, well, people have been doing this for hundreds of over 100 years now and are passing down their wealth and whatnot for the generations. So, any honestly, anybody can do this as long as they're willing to take the time to set it up with someone. Right. And, and, and you want to make sure that, you know, you have. enough coming in to be able to support one of these. Like I said, Mm -hmm. long-term, this isn't something we're going to set up for 15 years and it's going to go away. This isn't something you're going to set up for 20 years and it's going to go away. When you're setting up one of these, you want to be intentional about the understanding that eventually that death benefit will get used. So we don't want to set this up with the intention of canceling it. We don't want to set it up to where we can't financially sustain it because then, you know, you run into the risk of, you know, putting yourself into a position where you don't have the policy anymore. So you you do want to be very aware that these policies are not going to be, you know, cheap. These are not like $100 a month, you know, to to set up one of these policies to where you're building a cash value. Um, You know, you, you really want to make sure that you're structuring these so that you can be effective building that cash value. So you do want to put a sizable chunk designated for this each month. Now you can always, you know, add extra and they do have some flexibility in the payments. You know, if you hit a, you know, hit a rough spot, they have a minimum that you can run, but 
the danger is if you run at the minimum too long, well, the cost of insurance goes up and that eats out of your cash value and your policy could end up lapsing because you at some point will no longer have the cash value to sustain the cost of insurance. So that is a very, very bit real danger if you don't think long term with how you're structuring your budget for these. And you do have to take in, you know, these times anything's possible now. We've seen that. We've all been shut in. We've been let loose. We've, you know, trying to get control multiple times of control. You know, it's it's hard out there now, especially with the market the way it is, the inflation. You know, inflation's like close to eight percent now, and it's not going down anytime soon. No, I don't see that it's going to be going down anytime <laughs> soon. That's for sure. You know, it's uh, we've got our own chickens. Uh, <laughs> well, there that actually went back down. That's down like three bucks a dozen now, and that's still high. Yeah, well, it's in, it. That that's another topic. <laughs> I don't want to get in get in the weeds on you with, with, with eggs, you know. But we've had our own experiences with how they were producing, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Uh, but but you're you're absolutely right. You know you do want to plan for you know potential you know downturns in your income or you know and and you can like I said you know when the income is good you can dump more in as long as you don't dump in too much to where you put in an unfavorable tax situation and those limitations can be very clearly explained to you when you're setting up the policy like how much can you put in per year to make sure that you don't run into an unfavorable tax situation because it's if you put in too much, you take something that we're sheltering from taxes, and then all of a sudden you turn it all into taxable money. And uh. That is to be avoided. At, at any, anything like that's the biggest thing to avoid is we don't want to put you into an unfavorable tax situation. Well, to stop that, and if they hit their thresholds, is it possible to open another IUL to do that? Well. Or is it all in- you, you could, you could, but the, if you designed it properly at the start and you're thinking about, you know, like what's going to be like, you know, a big cash dump in consideration for you, you can structure it to accommodate those down the road. Um, you can be, you, you can be very, very specific about how you're setting it up. And uh, once again, we, we could go into that, but you know, I, I'm going to need to start pulling up illustrations for you and we don't have <laughs> We, we, don't we don't have the time for that today. Uh, I know you're but, trying to get back on the show later, so we'll actually just try to do that again. And I just been told we have four minutes left, so that, yeah, yeah. So once we spreadsheets and getting into numbers, you know, then uh, you know I'm going to have to grab my pocket protector and glasses, and uh, <laughs> we'll we'll start drawing. But but you can very easily make sure that while you're having that conversation with who's helping you set up that plan, that you're talking about like down the road like what's your potential for being able to do a cash dump in if you need to do a cash dump in down the road for sure and this is this product here is supposed to diversify your portfolio as well it's supposed to be an extra thing in there to shelter yourself in case one of your portfolio items takes a tank you know you have more eggs outside in another basket to so to speak well, and another thing too, when you do start drawing the income off this down the road, the income that you're drawing off this won't mess with your social security. That's a wow. huge thing there too. You can still collect your social security and draw your income off these down the road, and it's not going to put you into an unfavorable situation with your social security. It's not going to jeopardize that. Wow. Oh. Because well, the that... is a loan. 
you're not taking it as income. Ah, always something to look at. So, yeah, John, because and- that income is a loan, none of it's taxable when you're living off it in your retirement years. You're not paying income taxes on it because it's a loan. Cool. That is, well, we're going to end up on that one. Uh, we're going to end the note on that because that's really good news about taxes and it's a really great place. And we got three minutes left. Um, not to say that the clock is wrong, but it is not wrong. Here, you've got a surprise for the audience. I do. But before I get into that, Sean, where can we find you and how can they contact you about these and about these products in case they want to start investing this and get more information out of it? Absolutely. So uh, you can uh, you can call us directly at 206-291-5218, or you can find us on the web, on the internet at sfgmurphy.com. That would be sfgmurphy.com. And uh, from there, we have direct booking links. You can find a time to be able to sit down and chat with us. Uh, there's also uh, you know various other uh, ways to contact us through that website. And you can even do a little bit of preliminary educating yourself on our website as well to get some information uh, before we sit down. Okay, awesome. Now for the very interesting news uh, for the listeners out there, I wrote a book about this that doesn't have the jargon. And it's published today on Amazon. The ebook is available for it sells for 99 cents right now. Paperback is soon to come. But since my listeners and I had Sean on the on this call to help promote this book, I've done something really crazy about this. But I need some help from the listeners. I went and have this book out there on ebook pdf format or ekindle or whatever for free for five days they can go to amazon and download it free for five days the only thing i ask in return is you leave a review on it on amazon that's the only thing i ask because i need to make sure i'm being honest with it and all the information out there is correct but that is the giant surprise they i wrote a book it's published today I had the expert on on the show for it, and uh, it's out on Amazon. It's actually show in the link as well. I'll post it everywhere. So that's it for this show. Next week, we're going to talk about resolving conflicts with a vet. Uh, so, Sean, thank you for being on the show. Uh, Thanks for it's having been, me. It's a wonderful time as always. Uh, everybody, have a safe week. If it's snowing out there, be careful in the snow. If it's sunny out there, Get outside and enjoy it because I'm kind of jealous about it. Until next week, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter on the Voice America Business Channel. We look forward to the next show where we will be making more money for you. Until then, have a fantastic week.